Heather, if it's your first time here, I want to say hello. Thank you for being here. I'm Lindsay. I am Joel's wife. You'll meet Joel in just a minute, but we're happy that you're here. Inside each of uh, the worship guides that are on the chairs is a connection card. So if you want to take a moment sometime during service and fill that out, we would love the opportunity just to meet you uh, and, and reach out to you, thanking you for being with us. Uh, we had a big week and we have a big morning. Uh, there are some kids in their kids' rooms doing Friendsgiving. Uh, it's an annual thing. I think we can call it that now because it's, is it like the fourth or fifth time we've done it? So that qualifies as an annual. They're doing their annual Friendsgiving this morning, and uh, which is, is a really special time. Uh, and I thank you to those of you who give faithfully because they're able to put on even something like that in kids' department. They're able to do it because you give. Uh, but I want to also celebrate something that was super awesome that happened this week. Some of you in the service. What? <laughs> I moved this up here. Um, sorry. So some of you were a part of it, and some of you heard about it and, and uh, helped fund it through your generosity. But this week, uh, Thursday night, our ladies' small group, uh, gave, they did like an a outreach uh, to the local um, housing right over here at Searsy Housing. And honestly, yeah, it was awesome. So honestly, when it began to be put together, uh, we had never established a friendship with uh with Circe. And so we wanted to, this is our community. We believe God told us that we're going to affect our community and like, let's, let's be friends. Let's impact them. So, um, we thought maybe we'd get like five or six women. Truly, that was the goal. And we were like, man, if we get 10, this would be pretty cool. And I won't go through all of this stuff. I'll just say this. We had just under 100 people, not including anybody that was serving hundred people. We had over 50 children, and uh, I guess that would leave about 40 women that came. And uh, we were able to serve them dinner. We did a cooking demonstration. Every single lady left with a crock pot that they got to take home uh, with recipes. That, um, and that came from the generosity of the people here. And uh, I, I will say uh, the lady who helps, she's been helping for decades, told Jordan Lord, who kind of like, push this into existence. She said, I've never seen such um, response from the people in this neighborhood. So I want to say thanks to Jesus for providing, and thanks to you if you are a part of that. Uh, that is the first step in a friendship in the community. We're going to impact and love on these people because Jesus loves them, and he loved me, so he loves them, and I want them to know that. So anyway, thank you for being a part. Thank you if you weren't there, but you gave. You have your fingerprint on that incredible work that was done this week. All right. Good, thank you. You can, you can take that with you if you want. I don't know if you want to hang on to that. Thanks, babe. We're doing, um, uh, this is our uh, final Sunday in a series we've called 21 Days of Gratitude. It's the last time that, we've, uh, that we're going to have a, a message on it, a sermon on it. However, if you've been participating for 21 days, we still have, I think, uh, I think six more to go with, uh, with your gratitude. And then once we hit Saturday, you don't have to be grateful anymore for anything in your life. Gratitude is, um, gratitude is the lens through which we view all of life. When you, when you 
look through the lens of gratitude, you see everything that you have. When you look through the lens of ingratitude, you see everything that you, that you don't have. And so our prayer has been this, during this series for 21 Days of Gratitude, that, um, that God would, through His Word, um, change the perspective, help us change the perspective of our lives. Gratitude has the power to do that. Not only to change the perspective of our lives, which would change our lives, but also lift the atmosphere of this church. I just think that a grateful people are also a people that know how to house or host the presence of God. And I want to be around people and I want to be a part of a family of God that loves, that knows how and loves to be in God's presence. Because the more you know about God's presence, the more you realize that what He wants for you is so much more than what He wants, what we think He wants from us. What God has for you is so much more than what we think He wants from us. And so I think gratitude is part of the pathway into that. First week, we talked about the challenge of gratitude, just even expressing that with um, that story about the ten lepers where nine, all ten were healed, but only one returned to give gratitude. Last week, we talked about enemies of gratitude. And then this morning, I want to talk about Simon and the sinner. Simon and the sinner. Anybody know anyone named Simon? Anybody? Yeah, no one. Okay, it's, it's, that, game, that name's over. Uh, anybody know any sinners? Just three of you. We know three. Okay, guys, I'm going to change my message this morning, actually. We've got to talk about something. Yeah, so Simon and the sinner. I want to talk about the posture of gratitude. I want to give you a picture of what it looks like, what gratitude looks like. What does is, what is being grateful look like? So our scripture this morning is Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36. It's a longer passage, and I really went back and forth on whether we were going to read all of it or just talk about it, but I want to read it. I think there's something um, uh, good and right and special about the public reading of Scripture, as well as I want you to grasp the whole story here. So um, Jesus is meeting with a Pharisee named Simon. His name is Simon. You guys may have never heard that name before, but it's a name. Um, and Jesus is, uh, Simon has invited Jesus over. Simon's a Pharisee, invited Jesus over. And then this is where we find the, the story this morning. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed them, poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender, Linder, one owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts, the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? 
I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. She wept my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then Jesus said to the woman, listen to this, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, has, has anybody ever told you to straighten up? Anybody ever been told to straighten up? Yeah. I, I don't, so I don't mean like straighten up like you're, like you, like you're acting out and, 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 your, and your dad looks at you and says, straighten up. I, I mean like, um, like posture, like, like straighten up. Okay, straighten up. Like there's, straighten up is, um, there's, there's good position, there's good posture for, uh, and bad posture really for just about, Everything that we do. So, uh, you know, I remember when I played Little League, when I was playing baseball when I was, when I was younger, um, I remember being told how to, how to stand and hit the ball, you know, how to stand at the plate. And they would, you know, you know stand this, put your legs this far apart and put your, back up, uh, your bat up this way. And, uh, you know, every Saturday I hear, you know, people complaining about the quarterback because of how he's uh, placed his feet. And uh, all of the game is blamed on his uh, stance. Uh, if, if, you're, if, if you're involved in, in dance, all those that are involved in dance or ballet, you know how you stand in, in each of your positions. It, it, it matters. Uh, when you greet somebody, there's a, there's a posture when you greet someone. Uh, you, you, usually you don't turn around and fold your arms so that they're staring at the back of your head. Your posture, you're looking at them. You hold your hand out. You know, you, there's, a, there's a posture for it. There's a, there's a posture for everything and a bad posture for just about everything. Oftentimes, it is your posture that communicates what you're doing, and it also sets the tone or the, the stage, the position, for whether what is about to take place will be successful or not. That, that posture. You're, you're going to have a hard time hitting the baseball with uh, the bat, holding the bat behind your back. You know what I mean? So the, the, the posture matters. So if there was a posture for gratitude, what would the posture be? What would that look like? If you look at culture today, where we live, in the moment today, you're actually, you're going to find we aren't really postured very well for gratitude at all. There's, there's a lot of gratitude hurdles that are in the way. One of the characteristics of our culture today, um, opposite of gratitude, is we have a a culture really of uh, immediacy, of the immediate, versus a culture of gratitude that really takes time. Uh, anybody, um, have you gotten used to uh, clicking a button on Amazon and expecting your package to be delivered uh, almost instantly? Anybody kind of gotten kind of gotten used to that? Has anybody transitioned over now to, like, you, like you're buying a lot of things, and now you're, you've moved over into groceries. You're like, nah, I'm, I don't got time to go get those paper towels. I ain't got time for bread. I'm just going to click in the button. Here it comes. We just, we get on Netflix, and what do we do? We just, what do you want to watch? Do y'all remember there was a day? 
There was a day where you would turn on the TV and you would have to turn on, I don't remember what the channel was called. It was the channel with all the channels on it. And it would scroll and you would just wait. And whatever was playing in that moment, that's what you got to watch. Y'all don't even remember that. Y'all don't even know when that day was. All of you youngsters in here. (laughs) Netflix at our fingertips. We've been conditioned to expect immediate results. What happens when you try to look up something on your phone and you don't have any Wi-Fi, you don't have any signal, what do you do? You throw your phone on the ground and you stomp on it. And you're like, oh God, what is wrong with life? You expect, that's what we want. We expect immediate results. Patience has dwindled. Irritability has just grown. Some of y'all are frustrated right now just thinking, like, what if, my, if I got my phone out right now, will it, will it go, will it get online right now? If I need, you, we're conditioned for it. It bleeds, honestly, that culture into our walk with God. If God doesn't answer immediately, sometimes we reject even the possibility that God might be answering through a process. We, we go to God in prayer. It's like Netflix. We start scrolling. What am I going to ask for now? What am I, and what am, what am I going to ask for now? And I'm going to hit that button. Man, I need, I need God to do this right now. And you hit that button, and it's not happening. God's not dispensing the show, not dispensing the grace. And you're going, we've been conditioned for it. We're in a culture of entertainment. Culture of entertainment versus a culture of gratitude, which is uh, not exciting. Gratitude oftentimes is not the most exciting thing in the world. We're surrounded by visual stimuli, but we find it more and more mundane the more we have. I mean, we are inundated with stuff all day long. I would say we're drowning in it a lot of ways. And somehow, even the constant flow of entertainment, we're, we're, we somehow, it's never satisfied. We still want more. Gratitude, man, just not super exciting. Not the most exciting thing in the world to practice. We're in a culture of self-sufficiency versus a culture of gratitude, which is humbling, humility. We, a lot of times we take credit for, for pathways and opportunities that God has blessed us with, and then we hype our own brilliance. We hype our own genius. Really, we should use our talents, but they got to be viewed in their proper place as tools God has given us really to leverage for the benefit of others. The other one is this. We live in a, in a culture of self-fulfillment, whereas gratitude says, it's just not about me. Not about me. we got to move past the delusion that life is just about getting our needs met. And it's challenging because all day, every day, we are inundated with a message that says you have needs and you need to have those met. And if you'll come to me or you'll come to this or you'll come to that, then you'll get those met. If I just try hard enough, if I just do enough, if I just earn enough, if I just get enough, if I just am enough, if I just do better, be better, I can, I can do it. I can do it if I put my mind to it. Truth is, is that gratitude says that actually it's not about me. So it's challenging. There are major hurdles in cultivating a culture of gratitude in your own life. 
So here we are, we find the story of Simon and the sinner. So we're asking ourselves this question, how do I put myself in a position of gratitude? How do I get myself in a posture of gratitude? How do I place myself where I am? If, if it really is, if these, if these hurdles, these culture hurdles are so terrible, they're so toxic for my life, then tell me how is it that I can get in that posture of gratitude, that position that where really it could change my perspective on my entire life and even lift the atmosphere of my life, my home, my church. And man, if you can lift the atmosphere of gratitude in a church, you can do anything. How do you, how do, you do that? So the first one is this, is this, if you're taking notes, first one is just this, my need. My need. The words my need. Luke 7, verse 37. We'll read that part again. Luke is writing. He's talking about, he says, a, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, and so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, poured perfume on them. Imagine being at Simon's house. Simon's just invited Jesus over. The house is full. It's spilled out onto, uh, into, into the front. The doors are open. It's a little bit more, oftentimes the spaces there in that day were um, uh, more community-centric. Uh, uh, and so it would spill out onto the front. Almost, you could call it almost like a front porch and then into the, uh, into the front uh, area, front yard. Um, and so it's, it's just it's jammed with people. And then this woman shows up, and she's real quiet. She quietly enters the room, and people, she's quiet, and everybody's got their attention on Jesus, but it is impossible not to notice what she's doing because everybody's looking and listening to Jesus. He's, he's just magnetic, his teaching. There's never been a teacher like Jesus. There's never been a better teacher. There's never been anyone uh, wiser. There's never been anyone um, greater. There's, it's, it's Jesus. If Jesus walked in the door right now, if Jesus walked in the door, it would be, it would be so easy to finish this service because I'd just hand him the microphone. I'd be like, all right, Jesus, you're up. All right, take care. They're yours. All right, and I'd go sit down, and then we would just, it would be Jesus, and yet... This woman comes in and everybody notices. You can't not notice. And so she walks up to Jesus and she has this jar of perfume and it's worth, as best we can tell, um, probably about uh, $50,000. Have you ever spent $50,000 on, on a bottle of perfume before? I don't even know if that's a thing. It may be a thing. I don't know. I looked at my wife. She's like, yeah, I own three. Um, like, we, like we don't. <laughs> okay. I don't, she walks in with this bottle of perfume, $50,000 bottle of perfume. And Jesus is sitting there, and she's, she walks over, and, and, and she's trying to open the jar. Anybody, anybody have trouble opening jars? Yeah. She's trying to open the jar, and before she can open it, I don't know, I picture her, and she's standing over by Jesus, and she's trying to open it. And she's so overwhelmed with gratitude, she just starts crying. Now, it's not one of those, I'm moved, I'm moved by this, um, this situation or this 
and I'm watching this commercial, or I'm watching this, uh, here we were coming up on Christmas, this excellent Hallmark movie that just has moved my heart. Um, it's not this single tear that drips down her cheek. This woman walks up to Jesus, and she starts crying, and she's, she's crying so hard, it begins to soak Jesus' feet. And Jesus is been walking in the dirt, he's got his sandals on, and Simon, we learn later on, has done nothing that was customary of the day. So Jesus' feet are dirty, and her tears are, she's weeping so much at just being in the presence of Jesus, they're drenching Jesus' feet. You can see the, the tear strains from the dust and the dirt parting from each tear that goes onto Jesus' feet. They're soaking his feet with tears. Is it awkward yet? Is it awkward yet in the room? And she's embarrassed. She doesn't know what to do. She can't get the jar open, so she bends down, and then she takes her hair down, which is something you don't do in the culture. She takes her hair down, and Jesus is, I guess he's still talking. I don't know. People are aghast. They are, they can't believe what's going on. She bends down. She takes her hair out, and then she begins to wipe his feet with her tears. And she begins to kiss them, and then pour perfume on him, and she's overwhelmed. Simon is appalled. He is appalled at what is going on in his house. He's one of the religious leaders of the day. He is, I don't know if he's feeling good about himself because he got Jesus, the most popular guy in town, to come over. I don't know how it's, all I know is he's appalled. And then he says this, verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if, he said to himself, so he's, talk, he's talking to himself, quietly, under his breath, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Crazy thing is, is she sees her need. He sees her sin. She sees her desperate need for a Savior, and all he sees is her sin. Here's the truth. Grateful people don't compare their best side to others' worst side. The most grateful person in the room had a vision of Jesus and only Jesus. And here's Simon on the flip side, and all, she, all he can see is the worst of this person who was paying attention to anybody, apparently, Except for him. Anybody, um, you, you, ever, you ever been watching the news, um, see the news, or, or uh, on, um, sometimes on like sports shows and stuff like that, you can watch and they'll, they'll have two people and it'll have the split screen and there'll be one person on one side and one person on the other side and they're, and they're, they're arguing, they're going back and forth. You got two different opinions and, um, and they're, just, they're just going at it. I mean, it's super common. Like it's, you see this all the time. Um, uh, and, and, you know, anytime you're going to watch, watch you know, cable news or whatever like that. And so they're, they're arguing back. I've, I've seen it a million times. And it just, it gets so intense. I've seen it so many times. I've wondered this. I've thought, look, surely at some point, one of, the, one, of the, one of the people on the screen, one of those people has made a point in the, that the other person hasn't ever thought of. Surely that's happened. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody in an argument and they make a point and you've never thought of it and then you thought, oh, wow, that's a valid point. Has any, have you ever thought that? Please, every hand should be up in the room. Yes, Lord, yes. Unless you've been right about everything. So don't look at the person sitting beside you. All right. So I, I wonder 
if anybody's ever been on having the argument back and forth, and all of a sudden they had this thought, oh, that's a good point, I've never thought about that. You know what I've never heard? I've never seen anybody respond on the news while somebody's yelling at them, talking about how dumb their opinion is, to stop for a minute and then turn around and go, oh, you know what? Actually, I've never thought about that. That's a good point. But you know what's happened? You know what's happened? You will never see that. We'll, ne we'll never see that. You know why? Because gratitude is humbling and sometimes even humiliating. Grateful people view other people's faults and brokennesses through the keyhole of their own sin, not the other person's. Let me say that again. Grateful people view other people's faults and brokennesses through the keyhole of their own sin, not somebody else's. You and I will never be grateful when all we see are other people's faults. You want to know the posture of gratitude? It starts with a recognition of my need. The sinful woman walks in the door, the most grateful person in the, in, in the room. What does she see? She recognizes her need. The second one is this. God's promises. God's promises. Somewhere along the way, the woman, I'm guessing, heard Jesus make some promises. I don't know if he had ever spoken to her directly before. Probably not. She's probably never had a conversation with Jesus. I don't know, but that's my guess. But somewhere along the way, she's heard Jesus talk about his promises. I wonder if she heard him talk about the trade between the heavy yoke, the heavy burden that we carry, that we can carry, versus what he offers. Matthew chapter 11 says it this way. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I'll give you rest. Put on my yoke. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble. You'll find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. Grateful people know suffering. They know suffering. They've walked through some stuff. But it didn't define them. It defined their mission. Grateful people have walked through hardship. Grateful people have walked through suffering. You, you think this is what that this, this woman wanted to be when she grew up, when she was a, when she was a child? known all over town, known all over the city for her faults. You think she woke up one day and just was like, you know what? I can't wait to get older to have the worst reputation in town. That's going to be awesome. I look forward to that day. It never crossed her mind. It never crossed her mind. I can only imagine the kind of things that she has walked through and experienced in order to lead uh, that, that, that pushed her life in order to lead her to the place that she, she was that day. I can only imagine what she's walked through in order to have the reputation that all around town, everybody knew who she was. They may not even have known her name, but she knew who she, what she had done. And yet, somewhere along the way, she's experienced an offload of weight and sin and brokenness and received God's grace instead. And she didn't allow her suffering or her sin to define her. She believed God's promises over her 
past. Recognizes her need, but sees God's promises greater than her need. The third one is this. My response. My response. The vision of her forgiveness larger than the fear of her embarrassment. She's thinking, she's thinking, what I've received is so much greater than what people think of me, I can't help but respond. Her, her response was both extravagant and embarrassing, depending on really where you're sitting. I, I, you know, perfume that she poured out is worth about $50,000. Simon thought this was absurd. Probably some of Jesus' disciples thought this was absurd. How in the, why in the world would she come in and do this? There's another story in the Bible about King David. King David was so excited that the Ark of the Covenant, where, where God's presence rested, was being brought back into Jerusalem. He was so excited that he threw a giant parade. And so there's people that are making music. They've got these animals coming through, and they're dancing, and they're celebrating. They're blowing the trumpets and the other instruments that they have in that time, all the stuff. And they have this huge parade and this huge party. And David is so excited. He's dancing and he's so intense. He, he, <laughs> he dances his clothes off. He, he's, he dances. Oh, he's, based, he's in a, a, a loincloth. I guess we would call that underwear. Um, it's in the Bible. All right. So I'm just going to stand up here and say that. He's dancing in his underwear in front of the city as the king and doesn't care. And his wife is embarrassed. And some of y'all are like, yeah, she should be. What a fool. And then she says this to him. He dances his way back up to her. <laughs> He's like, did you see me out there dancing? And she goes, yeah. The whole city saw the king dancing. How he humiliated himself. And he says this. Oh, you think that was bad? You think that was bad? He said, I'll become even more undignified than this. I don't know what that means. There wasn't much left that he was wearing. So I don't know where he went from there. It's, the scriptures just kind of leave it there. So you guys can imagine. I don't know. All I know is this. All I know is this. David, David's vision of the greatness of God and the sinful woman's vision of the goodness of God both were greater than any experience that they may or may not have from somebody else that's watching. She poured out a $50,000 bottle of perfume. Why? Her vision of what God had done for her was greater than anything that she could ever possess. And the greatest thing she could think of was, I, I just, I have, I've got to, I've got to do something. I've got to respond. I don't know. I've got to, I've got to respond somehow. Now there's more to that. She actually, Jesus later says that she, that she was, had anointed him for his death. King David's vision of how incredible God is, so excited, so, such an incredible vision of who God is, led him to dance his clothes off. Look, we're not practicing that in here. That's not like a thing here on Sundays. I can tell you this, though. I can tell you this, though. It matters. Your vision matters when it comes to gratitude. Grateful people simply have a different vision. They just they have a different They don't just see differently. They don't just see differently. They have, a, they have a greater vision. Simon's response was offense. I wonder if he thought Jesus should actually be thanking him. Like he, Jesus was at his house. Like Simon invited him over. He probably cleaned the house a little bit. 
All right, probably cleaned up some. Anybody cleaned up recently for guests that are, were going to come over? Anybody? Yeah, you clean it. Maybe, maybe he had some, some food prepared. Got a little, uh, some meals prepared. Maybe he was, uh, maybe he was waiting. You know, Jesus is over and I've done all these things and all these people are here. And I didn't know all these people were going to be here, but they are. And I'm okay with that because Jesus is here. And so maybe, maybe at some point he's probably going to look over at me and be like, thank you, Simon. What, a, what, a, what an incredible gift that you've laid before me today to be at your house. I don't know if he's expecting a thank you. He received the opposite, though. He did not receive a thank you. In fact, Jesus saw all the things that he didn't give. Simon's response was probably leaning towards what God owed him. And the sinful woman and King David, all they could picture was all that they still owed to God, yet they had freely received. What can I do that would bless you? What can I do that would bless you? This is my response. It's all I have. It's all I have. Jesus was honored. Luke 7, verse 44, Jesus turns to Simon. He turns toward the woman, but he says to Simon, check this out. So picture this. He's looking at the woman, but he's talking to Simon. And he says, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head. She's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. At the end of the day, it was her response that was extravagant and his response that was embarrassing. Who had been, who could have been forgiven for more? The sinful woman or Simon? The truth is this, the truth is this, every one of us are in desperate need for God's grace and forgiveness. And so Jesus was setting them up. He was setting them up. Who would be more grateful? He who's forgiven less or who has been forgiven more? The longer you walk with Jesus in gratitude, the more you'll see that God continues to do for you. God is a giver. You'll never outgive God. And you'll never come to the end. You'll never come to the end of your thinking to where you go, okay, I think I've summed up everything that God's done for me. I think I've, I've, I've listed it all. I've counted it all. You'll never get to that point. And so what he's saying is this. He's saying, Simon, I, you've... You, you have a lot to learn. You got a lot to learn. The fourth one is this. The last one is this. God's gift. God's gift. Luke 7, verse 50. Oh, I love this. Jesus said to the woman, he just gets done talking to Simon, and then he looks, he stared at the woman. He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The woman's life savings poured out on Jesus, and his response was to bless her with peace. Let me ask you something this morning. Let me ask you this morning. What is peace worth to you. What is, what is peace worth to you? Like, real peace. I'm not talking about comfort. I'm not talking about a good living. I'm not talking about a trouble-free life. You can have all of that and you can still be a wreck on the inside. What is, what is soul peace worth to you? Deep, true, eternal peace. Here's a woman that walked in with gratitude 
and walked out with a blessing of peace from the creator of the universe. Peace, listen to this, is the fruit of a grateful heart. Peace is the fruit of a heart that cultivates gratitude. On, I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to see the perspective that God gives. Not, not new circumstances. New circumstances don't determine the kind of peace that God gives. Sometimes gratitude precedes peace. The Apostle Paul says it this way, Philippians 4. This, this, is, a, this is a pretty popular passage of Scripture it's, it, for good reason. Listen to this. Chapter 4, verse 6 says this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, at, at re, re, your requests, what you're asking God, by prayer and petition, look at this, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So in every, every situation, going to go ahead and give you a heads up, the, don't be anxious about anything. And I know you are, this is what Paul is saying, I know, I know that you are, it's, it's natural, And so take your prayers and take your petitions, take all of that and wrap it up in thanksgiving and present it to God. And then this is what he says right after, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So it's a a different kind of peace. It's not a peace that the world gives. In fact, Jesus says that. I come to bring peace. I give peace, not a peace that the world gives. A peace that passes understanding. You know another way to say that? Peace that doesn't make any sense. You ever said that before? Well, that don't make any sense. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't, make, that doesn't add up. Peace that doesn't add up, and yet somehow it's there. That passes all understanding. I love this last part. Will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Peace will guard. I usually, when I think of peace, I usually think of like, you know, especially when you're reading in the Bible, and everything's super holy in the Bible, right? It's the Holy Bible. And so you're reading the Bible, and you're like, well, I'm picturing, you know, the, the, the quiet streams and the trees and the little deer and the deer that comes over, and it's, you know, peace. All the... Paul gives a picture of peace, and it says that peace is the guardian. I wonder what kind of weapons peace carries. I wonder what kind of weapons peace carries around your heart when you've decided with every prayer and petition I have, I'm going to bring it with thanksgiving. I'm going to bring it to God. And then I wonder what kind of weapons peace sets up around your heart so that when, so that when not just bad news, I'm talking crippling news comes in. I'm talking crippling situations. I'm talking real world stuff. We don't, we don't serve a God that says, if you'll just turn to me, turn to me and I'll make all your wildest dreams come true. He never says that. I'll make all your wildest dreams come true. What he says is, you actually don't have the best dreams. I can give you even better dreams. I can give you better dreams. You don't have the best vision in the world. I'm going to give you a better vision. I wonder, I wonder what kind of weapons peace has. So I'm going to pray for you this morning. If you would close your eyes.
What's so amazing is that gratitude doesn't weaken you. A posture of gratitude doesn't make you weaker. A posture of gratitude strengthens you. The posture of the sinful woman bowed all the way down on the ground at Jesus' feet in total and complete humility. I imagine the people there thought to themselves, wow, how embarrassing. And the creator of the universe sits there and thinks, wow, what gratitude. What honor. You know what? Go in peace. Go in peace. Maybe you're here this morning and you just say, look, Joel, if I'm honest, when I think of all that I've done in my life for other people and maybe even for God, if I'm honest, I picture myself probably more like Simon. As if Jesus owes me. I mean, I've I've done what I thought was a lot of good and so my heart's kind of turned. If I'm honest, I think maybe he owes me and the truth is I've allowed myself to cultivate a larger vision of my importance than God's generosity toward me. I need to change. And I need God's grace today. And I need a new vision. And I don't, I don't need Simon's vision of Jesus. I need the sinful woman's vision of Jesus. If that's you this morning, you just go, I need a greater vision of the generosity of God than my own self. I'm going to acknowledge even in this space, nobody's looking around. It's a, what, a, what a bold prayer that you're saying, God, I need to acknowledge my own lack of gratitude. Expand, expand my heart to receive the vision of you. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand real high and you put it back down? Yes, so many of us. Yes, yes, yes. One more, maybe, maybe you're in here and it, you haven't recognized God's generosity toward you. His gift of eternal life, His forgiveness of sins, the promise of peace, the promise of hope, the promise of a future. You haven't recognized that in your own life, but you want to today. If that's you and you just want to say yes to Jesus today and life with Him. You've not said yes to Jesus. You are not walking with Him in your life, but you want to today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real high and then you put it back down. I want to pray for you. Yes. Yes. God, this morning, we'll never, we'll never really know the full extent, God, of your generosity. And every time we experience, God, a new revelation of your goodness, Lord, the truth is, is that there's, there's even more past that. And so this morning, God, I pray, all of us in this room, God, especially those of us, those of us that have uh, raised our hands, God, asking for your help. Holy Spirit, would you please change our hearts or change our minds? God, help us cultivate a posture of gratitude where we see you greater than anything else. God, we don't see, we, we, where we see our need for you larger than all the other people around us and all their problems and all their brokennesses, even those things that spill out onto us and affect us. God, we still desperately need you. And so, God, I pray that you would do that in our hearts today. God, lift, change our hearts, change our perspective, and lift the atmosphere of this space. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you for it. Amen.